Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside the Borough, the FAU podcast for and by fans. My name is Dan. I am joined as usual by Shane and Jack. And this week we are going to spend some time going over the Marshall uh, game. FAU uh, had a tough game last weekend and fell to Marshall. And then we're going to look ahead to uh, UTSA, what we have going on this week. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll just kind of start off with a, a little bit of Marshall talk. Really just a, a frustrating game. I think that there was some encouraging parts of the game. I think, you know, you, you pay attention to Twitter uh, during the game. There's there's a couple key things. Um, plays go our way, you know, we're a little bit more consistent, and, and that's a, it's an extremely winnable game. Um, again, we, we look like a team that had been out, had players out for uh, weeks at a time, and um, we'll have to – I, I can't remember, Shane or Jack, you'll have to remind me how many players were out um, from this game. And I think it's, you know, there, there's no moral victories, but uh, I think FAU played about as good as they could considering the circumstances. And definitely this week, there, there, there was a lot to build on and hopefully establish some consistency working towards uh, UTSA. So I don't know, Shane, what was your, do you, do you know the number of, of uh, players that were out due to COVID or well, contact tracing? And yeah, as the Nest reported that just since the start of camp, it's been 43 players. That includes all opt-outs and players that were out going into this week. Uh, and then it was like, we reported, Pete Thamel reported six starters, four rotational players. Jack, I think we, the net, there was probably about 20 to 25 just players out for us this yeah. game total. About, you have a contact yeah. tracing injuries as well um like marcel southall was someone who didn't play but he traveled with the team so obviously it's not like a covid situation but man when you consider everything and you know i remember just saying to people at halftime we went in down in that game at halftime seven six i said man you could not I, I hate moral victories against marshall but man you really couldn't have asked for more than that and ultimately that team at the end still had a chance to win. I mean, what, what it's all said and done, you know, there was uh, the Roman Mungin dropped a couple interceptions, kind of had the infield fly one he dropped. We would have kept it a one-score game. And then we get the terrible penalty call in the back half because Carl Smith thought he was blocking for an intercepted pass. Uh, and then, you know, the 50-50 no call on the pass interference, you know, on the fourth down call that on the pass to BJ Alexander, uh, it, it was tough. And that's against a quote unquote right now, what top 18 team you went down, you were down. No Evan Anderson who was your starting nose tackle. Uh, no, you know, Marcel Southall, Alvin Dempsey was out. Uh, a couple of the rotational linebackers were out and we just, uh, you know, we played our tails off. They, it would have been easy for us to go there and lose 35 to three and Knox run for 250 yards. Yeah, it definitely could have gone that way. Um, I mean, listen, fact of the matter is, if you told us Saturday morning that we would still be in the game with three, two minutes left, we would say, okay, okay, cool. If you told us Saturday afternoon, once we found out how many guys did not even travel, that we would be that close that late in the game, we would say, thank you very much. Take it to the bank. Great. 
great moral victory. You know, I, I'm with you, Shane. I hate using that term, especially when it comes to a team like Marshall. Um, linebackers stepped up. They did well. Chase Lasseter, dude, love that kid. He played with so much heart and passion all over the field. First quarter, he was in Brandon Knox's face in the backfield. I mean, he is – he plays lights out. Love to see it. Uh, offense, obviously, could have been a bit better, but – did as well as they could, even with an offensive line that really wasn't that experienced, uh, what, that haven't played with each other for that long. So, decent day out. Listen, that smoke munched interception in the end zone, awful call. They, the referees called it an incomplete pass. Bad call, wrong. It was a catcher at the very least should have been reviewed. Uh, but we didn't lose because of the refs. We lost because our offense just wasn't consistent enough. And that was kind of expected against this Marshall defense who uh, allowed us to drive downfield at, at times, but we couldn't find a way to really extend the drive. Um, that being said, a lot of positives to, to take away with a depleted FAU team and a lot of positives to build upon going towards a UTSA team that could possibly win the Conference USA West, believe it or not. My God, who would have thought that? Yeah, we'll touch on that in a second. I just want to kind of get on the offensive woes just a little bit here. You know, again, you know, they pointed out on the broadcast, both our backup offensive tackles, not our starting offense tackle, get tons of reps during camps and stuff. Our backup tackles really only started practicing, I think, Wednesday or Thursday. Toronti only started practice, only had two days of practice. So that's where a lot of that confusion was coming from people and I've had people and I've talked to people oh this you know they can't get them set up and they had to use all these timeouts and you know before third downs and the team looked confused they tried to implement a game plan in in 48 hours you know what I mean uh I noticed there was Willie Wright was playing outside receiver Logan Peterson kind of plays that uh h-back role he was playing the regular tight end role right he was doing a little different thing I thought I rewatched the game and I noticed one time after uh, one of those times out, you know, coach Tiger was talking to Logan Peterson at, you know, he might've been positioned wrong, but that's just all little easy things to clean up. Uh, we'll hopefully get the offense going. We saw some flashes of it, you know, when it can get going and hopefully, you know, get Malcolm Davidson going uh, in a game. We saw it on that drive, uh, on the touchdown drive and then the next drive uh, before Tronti through kind of, you know, the bad interception. So I, I think those are things, you know, that can easily be cleaned up. And again, we won't see a defense like Marshall's the rest of the year. I mean, App State averages nearly 300 yards on the ground a game. And Marshall held them to 84 yards and seven points in their game. So, you know, we outscored App State technically. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, and, and remember, Shane, I, I want to throw in there that uh, Malcolm Davidson was also in that practice until late last week as well. Uh, maybe that, that could explain him getting uh, caught by the uh, turf monster a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I, and I'm but, noticing yeah, more and more. We saw this last year, if, and I was trying to remember this year. Malcolm Davidson didn't really start the season last year. He was like fourth on the depth chart going into Ohio State got a couple carries versus UCF, and then actually got hurt that game mm -hmm. against UCF on a long run he had. 
and then missed the next couple weeks. And they didn't really, he didn't really get going until the second half of the season. So it seems maybe that's just the type of back he is. Uh, well, especially also, with such inconsistency. I mean, like, yeah. And also <laughs> just, we can't talk about, and I remember I said this when he was committed that he's a more talented version of the diary Edgecombe and Larry McCammon, you know, he, Larry McCammon does everything so well. He pass blocks really well. His pro football focus grade numbers say that. You know, that's part of some reasons he might be in there in certain situations over maybe a guy like Malcolm Davidson. Uh, he catches the ball really well. We saw that tough third and four he caught. Mm -hmm. You know, so in you know, the, if I was going to draw some positives out of the offense, they went eight of 18 on third and fourth down in the game when you can kind of consider everything that's pretty solid for third and fourth down conversion. So they were able to, you know, and Jim Levin pointed out in his presser that uh, that eight minute drive we had in the third quarter was so helpful, you know, to keeping the defense rested because they just, they couldn't go fast. They, they had to almost play kind of time possession football. Yeah, and and it worked. Brendan Brendan Knox was mostly isolated, save for that release valve pass when everyone was out of position to to defend that in the first quarter. Yeah, uh, again, I mean, there, there there's a lot to there, there's a lot to like, and again, no, no one likes a moral victory, and obviously, like losses happen. They just there's nothing that we can do about it. And considering the situation, I think there there's a lot to build on, and now we have the opportunity. Um, we have the opportunity to move forward. Uh, against FAU plays with a regular team on a neutral site versus uh, Marshall. We would, I think, we win that game most yeah. times. I mean, now even, even Marshall doesn't a, scare me in any way. Yeah, even not a neutral site. I, with, with yeah, with I, the, they just they don't. Yeah, with the the same amount of games, the same amount of prep <clears throat> that Marshall has had. Um, yeah, I think there that's that's a, a a much different game. So. Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll kind of transition on into UTSA, and then some. You know, speaking of the running back situation, Larry McCammon uh, is uh, out for this game. VJ Emmons once again is questionable, although it's he seems to always be questionable. Uh, so I I wouldn't count on that. And uh, so we'll have our you know our stable of running backs is down to our um, tandem of running backs with James Charles and Malcolm Davidson. Uh, which, I would, one caveat to that. I would expect Kelvin Dean to see more carries. He had yeah. a carry against Marshall. I'd expect if BJ Emmons can't go, I would expect Kelvin yeah. Dean. Yeah, and Dean Dean's carry against Marshall is pretty good. Uh, Emmons has been running on the ankle now, which is good, but still not sure if he will be a hundred percent going into the game. And and you know why kind of force that situation when you have a, you know, a few other capable backs that can get the job done. No, no need to, to you know, cause a, a re-injury, if you will. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I guess UTSA and, and FAU, uh, you know, there's, there's not a long history uh, between us, I think, especially since we, we played them last year and uh, handled them uh, pretty well. That was the, the, the game that BJ Emmons came back uh, and dominated. Um, but, uh, you know, FAU leads the series 2-0. Uh, we had that really, really exciting game, uh, I think, last maybe the last year of Charlie Partridge's uh, tenure here. Uh, if you remember, though, that, that was a really fun game. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think surprisingly, I, I was looking at how many games UTSA has played. They are 4-3, and three, 
uh, like you mentioned, Jack, they have a chance to win um, uh, to win CSA, CUSA West. I think currently they are second, um, and uh, they they played some you know played some decent football. They played seven games. FAU has played two, um, but uh, yeah, they've got a a pretty solid running back. And um, again, this this is building on consistency. This is an opportunity for us, especially at home, to um, you know, build on what hopefully will be a, a, a better season moving forward. Jack, I mean, I, I know you've, um, uh, I guess, what, what, what are your thoughts on this year's UTSA team? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they have a solid running back. Uh, Sincere McCormick is the leading rusher in the entire nation right now. I mean, yeah, you can say it's because they played seven games, but the dude has 867 yards. He's averaging 5.6 yards a pop, seven touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, wh- one thing that sticks out to UTSA is that they probably gave BYU the biggest scare they've had all year. But that game needs to have a, an asterisk next to it because uh, their quarterback, uh, Lel Narcisse, uh, we saw a little bit of him last year. That was his first start against BYU, and then the very next week against Army, he got hurt. His season is done. So Frank Harris is going to take over again. Uh, defensive coordinator Jim Levitt had some nice things to say about Harris, a lefty. He's also their uh, second leading rusher on the team. He can be a bit mobile, but I don't see him as much of a passing threat. And, and the stats kind of – they kind of back that up a little bit. Uh so I, I think this could be a good day for the defense to, to show out. I think going from Brandon Knox to McCormick, I mean, that's – if we're able to contain Knox, I feel pretty confident being able to contain McCormick. But I will say McCormick is much more agile. He, he, can, he can beat you going east-west as well as north-south, much more explosive as well. He's got some speed to him. So uh, uh, it's definitely a tough task, but you have to say the defense is going to fare a bit better especially defense is going to have a lot of its guys back and ready to finally play some ball. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about that. Hopefully we can get, you know, guys like Evan Anderson and, uh, you know, Darius Moultrie back and, you know, those type of guys, uh, Dempsey and stuff along the front, kind of get that rotation. And yeah. Like you said, Jack, Frank Harris is not the passer uh, that, you know, Noel Narcisse is. So it'll be kind of, uh, you know, just on the running back. I will say this, and I don't know, and this is a question I would ask for UTSA, since your McCormick had 37 carries to beat Louisiana Tech. I know he's young, but man, it, you know, it kind of, re- that's like a stat that reminds me of Dave Wanstatt uh, running Ricky Williams into retirement uh, type, <laughs> type, you know, yeah. carries. I just don't know. Maybe is that tough going week to week, you know? Uh, I talked to, I asked somebody about it this week who covers Conference USA, and he's like, yeah, that, that could affect him later in the season. Who knows now that be them being seven games in. Uh, I will say this, though, about their passing game, and this is the one thing that worries me. I, I, I've been okay with our secondary play this year. It's had its moments. They, they should have four picks. I love Roman Mungin. I even think on the couple plays he got beat. Uh, he was in position. It was just a nice throw and a nice catch by Wells and uh, Gamage this weekend. They will throw at him because he's smaller. It's kind of a Chris Tooley situation. Chris Tooley was always in position. He was a good cornerback, but teams just threw at him because they're like, well, we'd rather throw at him than James Pierre, you know, because Roman Mungin's in that kind of 5'8", 
by seven range, right? Instead of throwing at the opposite side where now you have a Zion Gilbert, who's more of your traditional six one corner. UTSA's receivers are bigger, okay? Uh, Joshua yep. uh, Sepsis is 6'3". Uh, Zykira Franklin is, you know, 6'1". So that worries me a little bit if they decide, you know, what I've noticed about Jim Levitt is he puts pressure on his corners. He leaves them on island sometimes to bring heat. We, we blitz. The defense is so good. We blitz. We've probably blitzed more in these two games than I think we did all under Glenn Spencer. It's just a different style of defense. You know, uh, maybe there's a stat that doesn't back that up, but it just, that's what it just feels like on the screen um, when I'm watching it with us always trying to bring an extra man. So that maybe that worries me a little bit if, you know, we kind of make it an easy man coverage and they just kind of play pitch and catch and throw it up and try and beat the smaller quarterback. But yeah, you know, hopefully they only have so many of those. I think, I think it's a great take because Coach Lovett even mentioned how tall the receivers are. So if that was in the forefront of his mind uh, during his presser on Tuesday, then you got to think he's trying to pay extra attention to that. He did call some blitzes from the outside, like nickel guys came into the blitz every once in a while, and I couldn't even tell you the last time we've seen an FAU defense do that. Does he do that same thing this time around with these tall receivers? I don't know. I don't think so. So we, yeah. we still got to hope, though, with the added depth of the defensive line, that these guys can continue the rotation to, to stay good and uh, be able to put pressure on Harris. If we're able to put pressure on Harris, I think that helps us out a lot. And what a defensive coordinator will do, and just so fans don't get frustrated, they're going to play the numbers game with that. They're going to be like, if we put pressure and try and make them sustain drives, you know what? They might hit to a couple 30-yard passes where they just throw it up and he makes a nice throw and the guy catches it deep. Right, but that doesn't sustain offense. So yeah, maybe you know Munjin gets beat on a couple of deep fades or you know deep goes, but we'll take our chances of them having to continue drives, and we'll play the odds there of the quarterback having to make nice throws, you know, and put it in the right spot for those guys to catch it. So and I think that's kind of the philosophy there. So I'd expect that. Uh, yeah, so and also just a little different element. Uh, probably a warm, muggy Saturday. Guys, when's the last time FAU played a true noon game, regular season, not Conference USA Championship? Gotta be, it's gotta be three years, right? I don't think we did it all in Lane's Town. The last, the last one right? I remember is Buff the the Buffalo game. Yeah. Triggered. Triggered. I'm so triggered. Yeah. I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. yeah so one of the I, worst things in my life. Well, I mean, so, UTSA is – they'll but <clears throat> it'll be pretty warm. They're, they'll, they might be a little more used to it than, uh, than other teams. We're getting a cold front up here. It's going to be warm down there. No, it's a shame. Yeah, it'll be pushing through. Of course, you know, the beautiful, nice, sunny day always will come after, after. FE yeah. plays. It's the day after we'll get, like, that hint of fall Maybe. weather. Maybe it can be used to our advantage. Uh, the Roadrunners do play out of the Alamo Dome. Um, they're not used to playing with conditions. I mean, if the conditions are just hot and humid, well, I mean, UTSA is probably used to that because they're that's where they practice anyways, is outdoors. But, yeah. you know, any way we can get a leg up because, listen, the line is only minus five. I think that's a good line. Um, yeah. Because we still have question marks regarding our offense. So any advantage we can get, I'll take it. Wear white at home. <laughs> 
Just yeah, the thought. I mean, if that if that would help, let's do it. Just just the thought. The Are Dolphins and yet? the Bucks to a degree it, it have been doing good. that for years. So those those all white uniforms look good. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just, yeah, any advantage. I, I do think the offense will kind of have a quote unquote breakthrough this week. You know, it's yeah. not gonna be sixty nine points against North like against North Texas North a Texas. couple of years ago, but I just think, you know, common sense would say the practice time alone, you know, would would uh, call for improvement. Well, I think the practice time and also like coaches getting a real there there's there's no way to <clears throat> sit, there's no real way to simulate the actual game and seeing, you know, what really what Tronti's, you know, strengths and real limitations are. Certainly we now it's it's pretty darn clear um that uh any, anything, anything past 15 yards uh, is going to be a challenge. But I think having that tape to go back to is, is just going to give, you know, more data, more information to the coaches to be able to make a decision, um, you know, on, on what place to call. And, and really just – I expect us to be sharper. I think in, in, in the first two games, we looked like a team that was dealing with, with, with COVID restrictions, right, looking like a team that hadn't played very much. So I, I, I certainly yeah. think that, um, you know, added practice, added uh, game tape, things like that will, um, will enable us to have a, a much more polished game than I think uh, than, than what we've dealt with in the past. So, um, yeah. You guys have any, any, any final thoughts on uh, this uh, past couple of weeks or this, this coming week? Uh, I do want to say UTSA did look really good last week against Louisiana Tech. Um, you could even say they kind of – they put themselves in position to win the West with that win. And at one point late in the fourth quarter, Louisiana Tech had like one of those 98% chances of, of winning. And the yeah. Roadrunners found a way to go. So they, they have a new head coach, Coach Trailer. Uh, seems like, you know, maybe a program in San Antonio is finally coming alive. We all know that they have great potential. It's just a matter of time. And, and it looks like they're finally taking the steps in the right direction. So we can't yeah. sleep on it. And I'm mind blanking on the last coach's name who they fired in the off season. There's a similar, uh, you know, yeah, transition the guy from to, LSU. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Harris. Yes, he could recruit. Recruiting yeah. at UTSA was never his issue. Sounds a lot like Charlie Partridge. It's a, it was a <laughs> lot. It was a very much of a situation like Charlie Partridge, where it's like, why are we losing all this game and we've we've recruited really well very similar situation. It was just, they needed a coach to kind of put it all together. And that's what they're kind of getting with now, you know, them only losing by seven points to, to BYU is insane. BYU's rolled through everybody they played this year. So BYU is one of the best teams in the country. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, They're insane. Oh, there's that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, we, uh, we appreciate you guys joining us uh for this week and uh yeah make sure uh check out the utsa game this week like shane mentioned true 12 p.m start if you can't get out there um check it out on the television and uh yeah again we appreciate you make sure you check us out all over the place itunes spotify feualisness.com youtube uh twitter everything like that so um yeah we will catch you guys next week while uh we hopefully will be recapping a win against utsa so Uh, Once again, for Shane and Jack, uh, go out.